0: the Medical Republic podcast, I'm Felicity Nelson. And I'm Francine Crimmins. Today we've got a very special guest back in the studio.
1: It's Ruby Prosser-Scully. She was one of the original podcast hosts for the program. And welcome Ruby, you're back after a year of working for New Scientist. It's great to be here, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, thanks for coming back on the show. We've Been working on a story for a few weeks that has really been quite interesting to overhear. (laughs) Um, Big sperm,
2: tell us more. So, we've seen a really interesting trend lately, and that's the tech industry's newfound interest in men's role in conception. You can really see how this has taken off in the fact that, you know, over the last year, there's been millions of dollars uh, funneled into different companies that are doing things like. Offering men the ability to uh, take sperm samples at home and test the quality of their sperm, um, you know, take samples and send it away to be to be frozen uh, by the company. Um, all of this sort of like uh, the real takeoff of at-home genetic testing uh, means that people feel, you know, they can do this kind of thing in the comfort and anonymity of their own homes, and for something like reproductive health, that's you know particularly appealing. And Ruby, it does sound easy and
1: convenient, but what are the
2: experts saying? Are they a little bit concerned about these trends? As you can imagine, um, the people that I've spoken to say that you just can't replace the conventional services going to a doctor, going to a reproductive facility uh, with something of variable quality uh, that you can sort of get online. And the implications of the results are just too important to leave it to a potentially shoddy service or a service that just doesn't do it right and you don't know that the test has gone wrong.
0: So why are they accessing these services? It seems like the flip side of egg freezing right? You instead of egg freezing you freeze your sperm? Is that how it works?
2: Yeah so um, well the reason why is that right now people are probably more concerned than ever about men's fertility. Part of that is that there's more education about that that this isn't just uh, something in the realm of women. Women have known for a long time that their health is really important to fertility. Growing research has now uh, illuminated the role that men's health has in, you know, sperm quality and that kind of thing. But I think one of the big things that has been highlighted by these tech companies is uh, some growing research suggesting that men's sperm counts have been plummeting in recent years.
0: Oh, so that's why men are desperate to test their sperm quality because of these studies that are coming out and awareness around it. Got yeah,
2: it. that's exactly right. So what we saw a couple of years ago was this big analysis of uh, men all around the world, and it included uh, around 185 different studies of over 40,000 uh, men. And what they found was that men's sperm counts uh, have halved since about the 1970s. Halved? Yeah. So what they found was that uh, in 1973, uh, on average, men had a sperm count of around 99. Uh, million sperm per milliliter of semen uh, and by 2011 this had dropped to about 47 million Uh, interestingly what they found though was that this was happening in western countries in men living in places like australia new zealand the uk america and in europe they didn't really see that kind of uh, trend happening in other countries around the world so that raises a lot of questions what's happening in you know western countries that's contributing to this And Ruby, do you know if the men in the study in
1: the 70s compared to now, were they the same age group of men being studied? Because I know I was at a conference just a couple of weeks ago and I was really shocked that for the first time we're now actually considering that men, once they reach 40, that's a mature paternal age. Whereas before we only
2: focused on um, female maternal age and fertility. My understanding is that uh, they took into account age. The thing is here, I'm not 100% sure, so I want to okay, double check right, that. Because yeah. I'm just kind of yeah. wondering. I'm sure I they would, though. I was really shocked, though, really yeah. shocked
1: though um, at the conference and they said that. And then it actually made me think of your story. Because yep. I'm wondering in the 70s, if the data came from fertility clinics, for example. Yeah. Maybe in the 70s, that people were having children when younger. So, like... Maybe yep. the facility clinics were seeing samples of like 35 to 40, and then now they're seeing like 45 to 55. I don't
2: know. I'm sure I don't that's mean, one I don't know. of the things that they tried to account for a lot of the limitations of previous studies. Um, this sort of question has been bouncing around in the you know research field of reproductive health for quite a while um since since the 70s there's been you know concerns that sperm counts have been dropping um, but a lot of the limitations of previous studies have been that there have been small sample sizes or that it's not a representative study because they're only getting people who are coming to fertility clinics who as you would expect um, have perhaps like worse sperm quality uh, lower sperm counts and that kind of thing this uh, tried to account for all of that And the trends still seemed robust. So uh, this sort of seemed to be the convincing factor for a lot of people that were on the fence um, to now say, okay, this is as good a proof as we're going to have that we are seeing sperm counts dropping and we should sit up and take note. Not only is it a concern potentially for fertility, but uh, sperm count has often been a marker for other health issues. You know, It's been linked to things like Diabetes, heart disease, cancer. So, uh, this finding could be the canary in the coal mine that what we're seeing is men's health getting a lot worse on a population level. Hmm, interesting.
0: Male sperm counts have halved basically since the 70s. That's, yeah,
2: it's crazy. Um, And and just to cut in, um, what that is is about a decline of 1% per year. And interestingly, They didn't find any signs that it was plateauing. There's no signs that it's going to do anything really other than decline further, which has obviously led to, you know, at the time, a lot of media uh, coverage saying, is this, you know, a children of men scenario? Are we going to become infertile uh, altogether and not be able to reproduce in the next 50 years? Uh, Very alarmist. We probably don't need to we can probably come back from the ledge a little bit it's probably not going to be that bad
0: (laughs) so why is this happening why is sperm on the decline
2: so to the point before about health um it could be that the health of men in western countries is just getting worse we've seen rising rates of obesity and overweight uh in recent decades smoking alcohol drinking drug use uh, They are all linked to worsening sperm quality, um, and air pollution as well, lack of exercise. All these things could be to blame. Um, There's obviously a component which is genetic. Uh, But a leading theory at the moment, a very popular theory, is that what actually might be contributing to this is the kind of chemical industrial revolution that we've seen, and things like you might have heard of a whole bunch of acronyms like... know BPAs and PFAS and parabens and those kind of things these things are sort of under an umbrella of endocrine disrupting chemicals and you know they kind of act like hormones in the body uh they've been linked to a whole range of different health uh conditions but Again like a lot of these things the evidence is really so the research on this is really emerging and there's a lot that we don't know. Um, and where
0: do those chemicals come from? The ones you have, scary chemicals with the scary names.
2: They they're in basically everything. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So they're in our soft drink bottles, they're in, you know, uh, cans, they're in hamburger wrappers, uh, they might also
0: packaging.
2: Packaging, sure. but also clothing. They're in like fire sort of retardant uh, chemicals. So they might be in your carpet or the clothes that you wear or your cooking utensils, um, skin products, skincare, all of that kind of thing. So, I mean, if you're concerned about this, it's sort of everywhere you look.
0: Mm. And is there any evidence linking those chemicals to um, sperm
2: counts? Yeah. So there is some evidence that in animal studies where the Uh, say, the mother has high levels of these endocrine-disrupting chemicals, that this can then impair the sperm counts of the male child or the male son. Um, The male son. The (laughs) male son. Um, But, uh, you know, the important thing to take into account in any of these sort of things are that um, animal studies have questionable applicability to human studies. So there is a bit of a question mark on that. And the the jury's still out, uh, you know, again, while it's very popular, there are also, you know, equally valid sort of criticisms on the other side. Um, it could also be that there are other things that are coming into play. So uh, some expert that I spoke to was also talking about that he does think he used to be a proponent of the um, the role of endocrine disrupting chemicals, um, but now thinks that maybe it is something that's occurring in, you know, Uh, in utero uh, and you know that is happening as the result of uh, the women's health but perhaps is more to do with things like overweight or smoking or uh, you know other sort of ill health uh, effects that might be having this kind of you know early stage very early life impact on sperm count which then men can't really do much to uh, fix you know later on in life when they find out
1: historically we used to think oh well if you eat better and exercise your sperm count will get better Well, it, oh, it yeah. sucks if
2: we're now being like no you okay
1: let's go down a different maybe try. he's maybe he's born with
2: it <laughs> well that's um one of the reasons why uh a professor uh, tina jensen who i spoke to uh thinks that endocrine disrupting chemicals might play a role um she said that while all the other sort of uh visual or or obvious um health effects might play a role she was increasingly seeing men who were fit healthy had a good diet um weren't really you know smokers or heavy drinkers and they were still having these low sperm counts which suggests that there's something else perhaps at play that's sort of disrupting the sperm um outside of these kind of lifestyle or uh health markers
0: interesting and i remember you were saying this in the office earlier um sperm count is it actually correlated with fertility so your ability to have a baby is that linked or are those two things kind of separate
2: that's an interesting question and i think what's important to note is that the level for concern um, in a clinical setting is uh, sperm counts that are below 15 million so it only takes one sperm to conceive Uh, the fact that the average uh, sperm count was about 47 you know 50 million means that they're still well within the healthy range, um, which is about 15 million to about 200 million. Now, with everything that's available, um, IVF and that kind of thing, there's no real evidence, uh, at least in Australia, uh, from the people that I've spoke to that suggests that this is correlating with declines in fertility. However, what we are also seeing at the same time is that couples in Western countries are typically waiting later uh, to start conceiving and um, you know it's, it's well known that women's fertility or ability to conceive drops off sort of quite substantially in their mid-30s um, if they're waiting for that time and you have more and more men who have on average lower and low, lower sperm counts and when it's on average you know there are a lot more people who have that quite low sperm counts that's going to take them longer to be able to conceive And then when you have women who are perhaps older as well, uh, that's just this sort of one-two combo that has some people very worried that this is just making things a lot harder for us on the whole um, to conceive. So
1: Ruby, if these factors are all contributing to why people might be struggling to conceive, what are the
2: treatments available for this problem for men? Well supplements are increasingly popular at the moment. Uh, We have a the fertility supplement industry is projected to uh, reach more than about 2 billion US dollars by 2025. However there isn't a great amount of research that supports that increasing sperm counts for men. One study earlier this year cast out on folic acid and zinc, which are two of the very popular components in a lot of male fertility supplements. Um, there is another one, omega-3, which is found in fish oil, which has had some support. So there was another study that was published this year that showed that men taking the supplements had a larger testicular size, improved levels of sex hormones and better sperm counts than those who weren't taking it.
0: That sounds like an ad. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but, but, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, Professor Jensen, who conducted the study, did warn that it was observational and it very well could be that this is a function of these men being more health conscious. Mm. So she did say um, that this shouldn't, that shouldn't be a sign that any doctors out there should be recommending that, you know, men with low sperm count start taking this yet. The evidence just isn't there everyone that I did speak to did all recommend that you know, there's the obvious ones stop smoking reduce drinking exercise lose weight uh, but healthy diet is also having um, a, a real lot of sort of growing support in the research there is a lot of observational um, evidence to suggest that a Mediterranean diet with lots of fruit veggies fish and poultry uh, have been linked to the best kind of sperm counts and in one study the Western diet which is you know a lot of fat, red meat, that kind of thing, Um, junk food, that was linked to the worst, sort of lowest sperm count.
0: Is there anything about sperm quality? So other indicators for how great your your sperm is?
2: So with that study that I mentioned just before, what they found was that uh, men eating a Western diet had the lowest sperm counts, and that was around uh, about 100 to 140 million per milliliter. But unlike those men, Men who are eating a diet rich in fruit, vegetables, fish, and chicken had the best sperm quality. And their sperm count was around 167 million per milliliter on average. Interestingly, what you found though is that uh, those eating a vegetarian-like diet with very little meat and a high intake of vegetables, eggs, and milk, uh, they had the next best sperm count. And they also produce the best shaped sperm. Ooh, okay. Were well, they like little
0: vegetables?
2: A <laughs> <laughs> plant, mushroom. Um, and those who ate a traditional Danish open sandwich diet, which has a lot of whole grains, cold cuts, and dairy, had the fastest sperm.
0: Wow. There you go. Well, they are Viking. <laughs> and how fast was the sperm?
2: <laughs> Usain's volt levels of speed. <laughs>
0: At light, light light speed. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Breaking records. <laughs> <laughs> well, great, that was uh really enlightening. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Ruby.
1: It's so great to be back. You've been listening to the Medical Republic podcast, a programme for curious GPs. I'm Francine crimmins and you can contact me at Francine at medicalrepublic.com.au.
0: And I'm Felicity Nelson. Send tips and feedback to Felicity at MedicalRepublic.com.au. Thanks for listening.